Welcome to another Bro Here's the Thing podcast or video cast, depending on how you're listening to this. Anyway, guys, please like and share the video. Comment. Say hello. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate it. Guys, <clears throat> I got a lot to cover. I'm going to go through a bunch of local news type stuff, political stuff, and then... I'm going to address a message that was spoken at a very famous church. We're going to go through the whole thing. So it's not going to be done in this episode because it's like a 50 minute sermon or something. And so I might just do a bonus episode, which I say a lot and then never do, but I would love to get through it. Uh, quickly. So, and like, I actually know people really like when I do that kind of stuff. So hopefully it is of a benefit to you when I get to it. Anyway, guys, uh, lots going on with our local politicians here in Alberta. Jason Kenny was recorded in a private conversation. And uh, he said, I don't need this job. He has to stay to keep the lunatics from trying to take over the asylum. Now, is he insulting someone? We don't know yet. We're going to check. We're going to find out. Who's he insulting? He thinks he's better than the NDP, as the title of the episode uh, indicates. Now, let's Let's crush this thing. Secret recording of meeting with staff shows Kenny considered quitting and his renewed pitch to remain a leader. Alberta Premier Jason Kenny was speaking to his party's caucus staff on Tuesday when he told them how close he came to stepping back from his job ahead of the upcoming leadership review. What's the easiest path for me? Just to take a walk? I don't need this job. I could go to the private sector, have my evenings, weekends off, the premier told the gathering. Now, if you're working for a giant company, I just want to state that the private sector for office people that are on a salary, having your evenings and weekends off is not really like a thing um, a lot of the time. He might have more time, but it wouldn't be like a lot but i'm sure he could find a private sector job no problem <clears throat> the remarks are contained in an audio file secretly recorded by someone in attendance and obtained by cbc news now guys if you work for the ucp caucus and you want to secretly 
record Jason Kenny, and you're going to leak him to CBC, first of all? Uh, that person I don't trust at all because they're a leftist, obviously, if they're sending their info to CBC. Why would you send it to CBC? Anyway, you send it to Rebel, right? Kenny then, or me, first of all, send it to me. Kenny then pivots to why he decided to fight to remain in charge of the United Conservative Party. The leadership review is scheduled to take place in the coming weeks by mail and ballot. After the party board made a last-minute switch from in-person voting because of unprecedented registration numbers. We're going to deal with that next. I thought a lot about it, honestly, before Christmas, and I decided that would be grossly irresponsible. Because if we were to have a leadership election in this context, I it would, I think, permanently divide us and hand the NDP the next election. That context, Kenny explained, is a coordinated surge of organization from factions of the party, he says. He says, subscribe to conspiracy theories, COVID denial, and general angry sentiments. Yes, conspiracy facts. And COVID denial. There is almost no one walking around right now who thinks COVID doesn't exist. We just don't think it's harmful or scary for almost all people. That's that's what he means by COVID denial. He says, I don't... He goes on. I don't say this stuff publicly. These are just kooky people generally, he told staff, thanking them for their efforts to motivate mainstream conservatives to support him. Preston Manning used to say that a bright light attracts a few bugs. Well, there's more than a few bugs attracted to us, this party right now. So, guys, if you are still, like, if if, if you are on the same page as me and you are still going to vote conservative just because they get rid of Jason Kenney, do not do that. Vote for a different party. I don't want the NDP either, but the rest of these normies, they need to learn a lesson. And that lesson is that you can't vote for the milk toast party anymore. Because if you do, you're going to lose. And then you're going to get the NDP, and they're going to ruin you. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the NDP being in charge, personally, if it teaches people somewhat of a lesson. Because it's not good enough to just have this party in again, the UCP. I'm not doing it. I won't vote for Cyril Turton, who is the MLA in my area. It's not happening. You've probably, if you pay attention to this, you've probably heard me say that numerous times. Let's see what's going on in the chat really quick. Nothing is going on in the chat. What is up, guys? Comment. Like. Share. Anyway, back to the article. CBC News asked the Premier's office for comment on confirmation of the contents of the five-minute recording. (sighs) Excuse me. The comments made by the Premier to staff are consistent with previous public statements on this matter, read the response in its entirety from Kenny's press secretary. That's interesting because he said that he doesn't say this stuff publicly. That's interesting. CBC article, though, is to take it with a grain of salt. On Wednesday, the UCP president announced the party board 
had voted to change the format of the review to mail-in ballots after the number of registered registered voters surged far beyond expectations. <laughs> the announcement, you know, it's funny. I have a whole nother article on this stuff, but I probably I'm, I'm going to skip it now, I guess, because this was going to be the second article, but that's OK. The announcement triggered accusations of cheating, faulty memberships, and new questions about the validity of the results a little more than two weeks in advance of the scheduled vote. While Kenny's campaign applauded the move, obviously, newly elected MLA and longtime Kenny rival Brian Jean said changing the UCP leadership review is a formula for fraud and cheating. I agree with with Brian Jean. The party president had originally been firm that an in-person event was the only way to ensure the integrity of the vote. Interesting. And now it's not the only way to ensure the integrity. On Thursday, five government MLAs stood with several constituency association presidents to demand the party not switch the leadership review to mail-in ballots. One called on the premier to resign and another for a leadership election to be launched immediately. I mean, I, yeah, I agree. On Thursday, five or uh, Kenny speaks in the recording about the threat, he says, of some of those against him who pose a threat to the survival of the party. He echoed language his campaign staff have been using while one telling CBC News this leadership review is an attempted hostile takeover of our party by fringe elements. Yes. Okay, guys. So. So this is an interesting thing when you think about this article, right? Um, you got to think. It's pretty obvious what they just did. 14,000 memberships were bought before the deadline. So basically, if you're not from Alberta and you don't understand how it works, they're holding a big event in Red Deer, which is Red Deer is in between the two major cities in Alberta. There's Calgary in the south, and then there's Edmonton in, well, it's, it's still realistic. It's like central Alberta, honestly, if you look at a map, but... But it's the northern, it's the northern um, big city, and it's the capital city. So they hold a big event in Red Deer, which is roughly halfway in between the cities, which is what a lot of things do. They will hold it in Red Deer. This is a very popular thing to do um, because it's in between those two cities, obviously. Anyway, so basically, there have been groups of people just buying these memberships and 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 they're going to load buses and they're going to go down there they're going to pack this place and then they're going to vote on uh whether Jason Kenny should remain leader or not and so obviously Jason Kenny has been scared by this and has decided to go to mail in ballot so that all party members can vote. So if you don't make it down there, he basically he's hedging his bets. He has a better chance if every party member can vote. Um, rather than just having all those people who are definitely going to be pouring into that place 
so that they can vote against him. Right? So this is some pretty greasy, scummy stuff. Uh, it's not good. And um, there is another article on it, but I don't need to read that. So we're just going to finish this article. Dwayne Bratt, a political scientist at Mount Royal University, said the fact a political staff member would feel the need to record and share the premier's comments shows the party has a major problem. Yes, because people don't trust them and hate them. It's a fundamental lack of trust between many grassroots UCP members and the party executive and the premier. This is evidence that that lack of trust extends into his own staff, he said. Yeah, no, good. I mean, I agree with Dwayne here. He can be viewed as the moderate within that party, but by saying that, you're saying that any criticism of me, any criticism of my leadership, you must be an extremist. Those are false equivalencies. Okay, I'm having a hard time um, wrapping my head around the fact that this is a CBC article. Um, they're literally exposing this tactic. Now, obviously, it's a conservative, so it's okay. But, I mean, this is a pretty good article for, for being from the CBC. Anyway, going on. Some party members and MLAs have been pushing back on Kenny's language when speaking about his opponents within the party. This is completely unfounded and unwarranted. It's a kind of politics of personal destruction, UCP MLA Peter Guthrie said. I mean... It is crazy. It is it is crazy what he's doing. Like it, this is so obvious what he's doing. Going on. I am not a right-wing radical. Rob Smith, an anti-Kenny constituency president from Old said on Tuesday, <clears throat> adding this is the time for the party to decide who we are in our hearts and souls. Kenny's quote, again, in large font. The lunatics are trying to take over the asylum, tells staff. Kenny tells staff. In the recording, the premier says this isn't a typical leadership review. At a normal convention, he says, 1,300 hungover progressive conservatives would wake up at a convention hotel on Saturday morning, and they'd grab a coffee, and they'd stumble in to cast a ballot in the leadership review. I mean, he is right. Basically, there's a lot of partying going on, and there'd be 1,300 of them. And 15 or 20% or so, the people that didn't get the appointment, didn't get the funding, or the premier didn't send flowers on their birthday or whatever, they would come and vote against the leader, and then everything was fine. And if that was what I was dealing with, no problems, no problem. Normal internal politics, I can handle. I can handle that. There's nothing normal about this. Yeah, giant wave of people want to get rid of you and destroy you because you're evil and you're a scumbag <sighs> the registration number for this leadership review topped at 15,000 people before the party decided to move to mail-in ballots when the event was originally planned they'd expected just under 3,000 people so you're looking at 1,300 people or is he lumping that in with the twenty to fifty, the fifteen to twenty percent? Anyway, the point is, is 
You've got 3,000 people usually, is what they're saying. This time it capped at 15,000 before they stopped it. So it just shows you. It shows you how popular voting out Jason Kenny is. It, it, uh, and what he had to, to do to escape it. And it's, it's obvious to anyone who's paying attention. <clears throat> According to data from the Kenny campaign, 49% of those 15,000 bought their first UCP membership in the last four months. <laughs> wow. So 50% bought it in the last four months. But even then, um, if you just looked at members who didn't buy it in the last four months, that's still over double the amount of of people that would normally be going. So that just shows you that even out of the normal group of people that buy UCP memberships, a lot wanted to go. And why would they be motivated to go? So they could vote out Jason. Obviously. Kenny's tone gets more serious toward the end of the recording, though. It reads on. I will not let this mainstream conservative party become an agent for extreme, hateful, intolerant, bigoted, and crazy views. Sorry to be so blunt with you, but you need to understand what the stakes are here, he said. The lunatics are trying to take over the asylum, and I'm not going to let them. So, basically, the way that this CBC article is framing it is that Jason Kenney called people like me a lunatic. Which is fine. I understand why he'd feel that way. When you actually believe that freedom matters... When you believe that the government doesn't have the right to dictate all aspects of your life. And would run daylight savings time back in the right direction, first of all, I would say. If they got rid of daylight savings time, I would keep it permanently on the other direction of what we voted for, right? Um... I had to vote for keeping daylight savings time because it would have been on the on the worst time zone. Anyway, I don't want to get distracted. Sorry. He goes on. Or sorry, the article goes on. The UCP said more details are coming on how the online meeting and mail-in ballots will work. How members can apply for a refund. <sighs> or tax receipt. For the $99 registration fee, the party has also opened up voting to anyone with a valid party membership prior to midnight on March 19. The vote ballots must be received by the party by May 11th. And the results of the leadership review will be made public on May 18. The minimum bar for Kennedy to remain leader is a simple majority of 50% of the vote plus one per the party's rules. Kennedy has also said that, that his personal definition of success or he, sorry, Kenny has also said that's his personal definition of success. Wow, 50, 50% plus one person is, uh, is, is like still not that great, right? Just barely passing. Bill posting a Twitter link. I'm going to click on it. Oh. I'm not even, I'm not going to, I'm not going to share it, but I will read it. It says, it's from Peter McCaffrey. It says, remember a few months ago when the UCP government 
changed the law to make it legal for individuals and PACs to buy memberships in political parties for other people, even without their knowledge? Huh? I'm sure that had nothing to do with today's announcement, right? I'm going to... Hey, Bill, if you're still there, man, if you could uh, look up that law that they passed and and text that to me, because I will cover that next time. I had no idea about that law, so I'm going to have to verify that. But yeah, if Bill's still there, um, he posted this tweet for me. If Bill's still there, yes, find me the, find me that, find me that law and I will, uh, I'll, I'll look in, I'll look into it for sure. So, um, let's see here. What do we got? No, not that one yet. Ah, yes. This is crazy for my listening audience. I'm about to be, uh, translating out of a different language. Um, no, that's not true. I'm going to be reading the subtitles, but I'll have to go to it and it'll sound like I'm pausing and translating because I want everyone to hear this. This guy slammed Justin Trudeau at the European parliament. And, um, I mean, it was, it was pretty satisfying. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, yeah, it was pretty great. Okay. Let's. Play it. Poštovane kolege, dragi građani, premijeru. Dear colleagues and citizens, Prime Minister Trudeau. Trudeau. Sloboda, pravo izbora. Freedom, the right to choose. Pravo na život i zdravlje. The right to life, the right to health. Pravo na rad. The right to work for many of us, are fundamental human rights. Za mnoge od nas, to su temeljna ljudska prava za koje su milijone... For which millions of citizens of Europe... ...građana Evrope i svijeta... ...and the world have laid down their lives... ...položili svoje živote. ...to defend our rights and the rights of our children... ...za obranu naših prava i prava naše djece, koje smo... Which we have acquired over the centuries. Many of us, including myself, are willing to risk. Our own freedom and our own lives. Unfortunately, today, there are those among us. Danas su među nama. I oni koji who trample on these fundamental values. Canada, once a symbol of the modern world. Canada, nekada symbol modernog svijeta. Has become a symbol of civil rights violations. Je pod vodstvom vaše quasi-liberalne čizme protekli... Under your quasi-liberal boot in recent months. Wow! So... I don't know the context of this, but it sounds like Justin Trudeau was there anyway. We watched how you trample women with horses. Oh! Gledali smo kako konjima gaze žene kako samo... How you block the bank accounts of single parents. Hranim roditeljima blokirate bankovne račune 
so that they can't even pay their children da ne mogu platiti djeci školovanje education and medicine that they can't pay utilities da ne mogu platiti lijekove da ne mogu platiti račune za struju i vodu mortgage for their homes da ne mogu platiti rate kredita za svoje domove za vas u... to you these may be liberal methods to možda liberalne metode For many citizens of the world it is a dictatorship. Međutim, za mnoge građane svijeta to je diktatura najgore vrste. It is a dictatorship of the worst kind. Rest assured that the citizens of the world budite uvjereni da građani svijeta udruženi united can stop any regime that wants to destroy mogu zaustaviti svaki režim koji želi uništiti slobodu građana bilo bombama bilo štetnim farmaceutskim proizvodima hvala thank you i like to analyze song lyrics poštovane kolege ever listen to stop it all right i just want to see Why are you doing this? Um, what is the title of this video? Oh, yes. He's a Croatian. This guy's from Croatia. Just so everyone knows. So anyway, guys. Cool story. I'm going to close some windows. And then we're going to get on with it. All right, guys. So... An article was making the rounds in my circles this week. Um, I didn't really pay too much attention to it. I don't even know who wrote it, but it was about Dave Ramsey. And so one thing, when I'm talking about Dave Ramsey, um, I will start by saying, one, I love his financial advice, okay? Um, I read Total Money Makeover. Um, I paid off a ton of debt doing it. I am not perfect. We do some things wrong. And that's just something we're going to have to keep working on. I went to uh, some... Uh, one time I met up with someone uh, while they were visiting. Hi, Phoebe. How's it going? Um, and I actually gave him uh, like the Dave Ramsey info. And he got himself out of all his debt faster than I did. Um, he was so motivated by doing it. And so Dave Ramsey's baby step system is it's how you should live your life when you're dealing with your money. Like I don't I don't I no one could convince me that you shouldn't. Um, it is an amazing thing and you should not accrue debt. Debt does not help you. Using debt, like, oh, well, I'm using... Uh, all these things, these are bad things because when it backfires, it can backfire hard. At least when you have no debt and things go bad, no one's calling you asking you for money. So having zero debt is an awesome thing. Um, 
So, Phoebe just posted, I'm working on getting out of debt. It is painful, but it is necessary. Oh, no, man, anything. I agree with you. So, uh, are you, Phoebe, and maybe you can answer for us, are you using the Dave Ramsey baby steps methods? And if not, I would suggest you you do it and you do that method because it is the best. And it feels like you're accomplishing something and it almost gets kind of fun. So, and we'll see when she responds. But anyway, Dave Ramsey did something that he does often, which is speak at churches. He is friends with a lot of um, prosperity type preachers, word of faith light type preachers, um, these kinds of guys. Um, and so, basically... Um, there is a controversy, I would say, about whether Dave Ramsey is a is a real believer or not. And so we can't emphatically know someone's heart, right? We, or emphatically might not be the right word, but we can't truly know someone's heart, right? But we can look at what they say, how they live, what they do, how they conduct themselves, and we can we can make a we can make a an opinion on where they're at. And whether they are a brother or whether they need to be evangelized. And so I'm going to listen to Dave's speech from Elevation Church. And, uh, and, uh, it's like I said, it's, it's about the video itself is 53 minutes. So I probably, well, I, I will not get through the whole thing this time, but it might take another hour or more just to go through it. And I'm going to leave him on normal speed so that anyone listening to this uh, on fast will uh, will not, he won't sound like a chipmunk to them or he won't sound super fast to them. What is this one? Oh, I've got it open twice. That's good. So, you know what? We're going to do this one. Uh, and Bill says Proverbs, Proverbs 227, Bill. I'm just kidding. Um, um, it's obviously, uh, Proverbs. I, I would imagine it's Proverbs 22, seven. Phoebe says, no. I have no job and a very limited income. I am going through a debt consolidation group. Some I am paying off. Hold on, I got to put this up. Uh, some I am paying off so much per month. Oh, so I am paying off so much per month. Um, yeah, see, like, uh, I would, I would honestly look at what Dave Ramsey would say about debt consolidation groups. Now, if you're already doing that, uh, it might be too late to not do it, but he would argue that you should never do it. Now. I don't know. Um, basically sometimes what they do is they take all your debt and then, um, they don't actually, pay it off immediately and so you actually destroy your credit rating because they're not paying it off as you pay them but i i don't know um 
that's just what he says. I, I, I've never had any, I've never had any experience with a debt consolidation group. So I, I hope it works out for you though. So let's listen to Dave. Well, first we're going to listen to Stephen Furtick talk at the start here. And that will be, even that will be its own issue. Come on, let's thank God for all our locations. Help me, Valentine, EFAM around the world. Where's my EFAM? EFAM. I'm on Elevation Church YouTube. If you want to give me a quick shout out to let me know your name and your um, state or country. So notice the music. Um, there's music going constantly at this church. And I think... I'm, we're going to listen for it. But even when he gets hyped up and he gets a cheer from the audience, the keyboard player hits some stuff just like a gospel, like or just like a prosperity type, um, old school, southern, word of faith type church. I would love to know where you're joining us from. Of course, all of our local locations, Elevation Riverwalk, Elevation Uptown, Elevation Gaston. How many of y'all traveled to be in church today? you you did a good thing even if it was $17 a gallon it will so one thing I'll point out is that he said you traveled to be in church today and also this was uploaded on March 20th which was a Sunday so pointing that out um (laughs) Pointing that out, uh, I'm just laughing at Laura's comment. Uh, I will read it in a second. Just pointing out that this was, um, this was a church service. Okay, so that's that's what you need to understand here. Sorry, I'm late. Why is Stephen Furtick on my screen, barfy face? There's always a good reason, right? Like, obviously, we're not just listening to him for fun will be worth it i promise you all right y'all here they come they're joining us today from guyana jamaica south africa philippines india georgia indonesia virginia no that's her name virginia from california that was confusing um louisiana michigan New Jersey. Hey, we're coming to New Jersey. You got to come to New Jersey. Elevation Nights is five weeks away. Listen everywhere we're coming. So, do you hear that? When he gets excited, the band plays louder and adds a little more intricacy, right? So the music is narrating, like, his whole intro here. And... It's all mood enhancement. This is already not a good thing anyway. Just as a as a point. I mean, if you have any cousins in these cities, all right? Because this begins very soon, and I don't want you I don't want you to miss out. We're gonna be in Chicago, Grand Rapids, Indianapolis, Columbus, Ohio, Washington, D.C., Reading, Pennsylvania, Newark, New Jersey. Like I said, and. Um, those two men would definitely not call it real church, Anna. <laughs> they would definitely would not. Boston, Massachusetts. ElevationNights.com. 
Some of y'all ought to get a ticket and be a groupie and just come with us. On the road, it gets crazy, doesn't it? It's crazy on the road. If you're listening to this headphones on, I will point out that the bass tone, though, is just really, really nice. Road, isn't it? LJ, am I lying to the people of God? Absolutely insane. We're excited. We're excited. So many good things. You saw all the outreach update. Did he literally talk to one of his band members? Hold on. I got to rewind this. Like, like he's a tonight, like he's a, like he's a late night, like he's a late night host. Don't know. Look at somebody and say, I don't know what you did right. But today you get to hear Dave Ramsey. Okay. I didn't rewind it. So now he's going to intro Dave. Well, I mean, who could help us more at a time like this than Dave Ramsey? Dave. Oh, Jesus. But I, I'm not going to be picky with that. I know what he means. We're honored you're here, man. I already told you this, but so they can know, my oldest son came to me the other day. He said, I found this guy, Dad, on YouTube named Dave Ramsey. He thought he discovered Dave Ramsey. No, no, but he he had been watching him, and he was like, we're going to be in Chicago, Grand Rapids. Don't know. Look at somebody and say, I don't know what you did right. Time like this. Okay. I accidentally pressed on a thing there. So, guys, uh, I got my Bible here. Um, so that we can look up verses as they come up. Um, big hint, though. You're going to have to blow it off after, because dust's going to gather on it. Uh, I listened about 16 minutes in, and there was no no Bible verses yet. Anyway, sorry I rewound it by accident. Then Dave Ramsey... Dave, we're honored you're here, man. I already told you this, but so they can know, my oldest son came to me the other day. He said, I found this guy, Dad, on YouTube. Named, and I was like, I actually know Dave. And, and he was like, Skip really? I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of cool. I have some cool friends. And you know, the other day I was uh, praying about it. And uh, who would God bring to help us at a time like this with so much transition? And I feel responsibility to put... I just want to point this out. Look at how the music team is watching him in the background, right? They're gauging him, and they're literally working their intro music off of how he's acting. People in front of you who can not only inspire you for a few moments, but can really help. At least that's what it looks like to me. He might not actually be doing that, but it looks like it. In a way that you'll be talking about, my barber. Dave can help you get out of debt was cutting uh, my hair uh, today and he was like um, tell tell Dave he changed my life for me just tell him and I know you probably hear that a lot but on behalf of all the people that uh, that you've helped and all of the people who have been set free through what God has given you we honor you and thank you for being a pioneer and so I know he's talking about being set free from debt but l- that kind of language is already bothering me Right? Like the people you've set free. No, I could be up to my neck in debt, but I'd still be free in Christ, right? Anyway, I I don't want to be too nitpicky with that because I know what it's like to pay off a ton of debt at, at once and how 
amazing it feels and how freeing it feels. So I, I understand that feeling. So I don't want to be too critical of that terminology. He and his wife, Sharon are here. I said, Sharon, do you always travel with, with Dave? She said, no, I just wanted to come to elevation. She said, the so it's funny that you bring up Tony Robbins because the way I became a believer uh, was through a network marketing company that was very, very much like pseudo Christian, but it mixed in and um, there was a lot of speech, uh, like speeches that were motivating and like self-helpy. And yes, this is exactly why I started going to church because the first church I went to had this motivational self-help vibe as well. So no, that is an apt comparison to this kind of stuff. Whole team is jealous back home that we're here. So let's don't waste any time. I told him you had all day. Come on around the world. Welcome. Hold on. So I want to go back a little. Now he's talking about his wife, Sharon. And what does he say about his wife, Sharon? Sharon's just happy to be there. Okay. So Sharon loves that they're at Elevation Church. Why? Because she likes the church and what it teaches and what it believes most likely. And also what do we learn about Dave Ramsey's team back home? They are all jealous that they're at this church. And if you don't understand, um, maybe you don't know anything about Stephen Furtick. I don't know, but he is by all accounts heretical not only in his view of the gospel but also in his view of the trinity he is very closely tied to td jakes who is historically a modalist so he denies the trinity he believes in the oneness of of god in a modalistic way and so god just manifests himself as different uh, as different, um, well, he, God appears as different manifestations. So God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit are all just manifestations of God, not persons. And that would be a big difference. And so this comes up a lot. So if you don't know about Stephen Furtick, Stephen Furtick is heretical. And so they love this church. Dave and Sharon love this church. And all of Dave's team members, all, obviously, we don't know if it's every single person at, at, at the, on the Dave Ramsey team, but a majority of them are jealous. Jealous that they're not there at this heretical church, right? So we're going to hear that again. Been set free through what God has given you. We honor you and thank you for being a pioneer. He and his wife Sharon are here. I said, Sharon, do you always travel with, with Dave? She said, no, I just wanted to come to Elevation. She said the whole team is jealous back home that we're here. So let's don't waste any time. I told him you had all day. Come on around the world. Welcome. Best-selling author, man of God, Dave Ramsey. 
What's on that table? Is there a Bible on that table? I want to know if there's a Bible on that table. Goodness gracious. Y'all, I feel like a wiener in a steakhouse. I assume that means because the church is so fancy looking. I don't know. So y'all know Pastor Craig Groeschel. Oh, Phoebe. No, no, no. I, I'm not offended. Phoebe says, uh, no offense intended to me. No, I didn't. I'm sorry. I need to, I need to address this real quick. I'm not offended. I totally get what you're saying. Like, this is a bad thing that it looks like a Tony Robbins meeting. I agree. Um, I left that church after about a year because I actually got saved and I rejected all of it and, and had to leave because it was so bad. So I'm not offended. Sorry. If you thought I was offended, I apologize. <laughs> anyway, let's hear Dave. Mr. Stevens, friend of friend of mine, I'm, I'm speaking for him next weekend, and I thought... I must be the Oompa Loompa on the ripped past. Um, Elaine says that this is concerning. This, the, these are the only kinds of churches that Dave speaks at, right? Um, and you're going to hear some stuff right at the start of this about his, where he learned some of this money stuff that it sounds concerning to me too. Now, the biblical principles that he extracts on like how you discipline yourself are good. Um, but he's going to say some stuff that I don't like. Mr. Tour. <laughs> so Pastor Stephen, he, um, he and I started swapping texts a few Change years ago. Sometimes when some of the fire is flying, we'll just encourage each other. And sometimes when his uh, adrenaline goes down Sunday afternoon after preaching, about Sunday night, the texts start flying at my house. And See, they call a few weeks ago, I get a text, and he says... Uh, they're friends. Do you believe in free speech? I said, yeah. He said, good. I want you to give one on March 20th. That's hilarious. Ha, 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 It's not free. That didn't happen, but it's a great joke. So, See, so he's uh, overly generous. Y'all know that. Who knows if he's joking? I don't know. But think about it. So this is their Sunday service. Okay. Furtick asked him to come give a free speech joke, right? In the way that it's framed, but it's a speech on a Sunday. So it's essentially the sermon and Dave is implying that he was paid to be there. Not even taking up a love offering. He was paid to be there is what I'm getting from this. Uh, but God told me on Sundays, I'm not supposed to collect i collect monday through friday and so life's pretty good for me i'm doing all right i got oh uh, oh maybe not maybe he did do it for free hold on let's see what he said there that didn't happen but it's a great joke so he, he's uh, overly generous y'all know that uh but god told me on sundays i'm not supposed to collect i collect monday through friday and so life's pretty good for me i'm doing all right i got okay so he didn't charge i apologize um that's that makes it sound like he did it for free also something i point out here all those singers on the music team and stuff are they gonna stand there the entire time that sounds like torture to me
And also notice that he's playing music. They're still playing music as he's talking. I do, I, I'm imagining that the music is not even going to stop. A financial piece. So, um, all right. Let's pray, y'all. God, you know I can do these talks by myself. You yeah. sure are better when you do them. Holy Spirit, this is your time. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a seat. So. I'm not going to comment on the length of the prayer, although it was, well, I mean, I guess I am commenting on it. It was very short, but think about that. Um, you know I can do these on my own. It sure is better when you do them. Um, so potentially God is going to be doing this speech now, potentially, maybe not, but potentially. My wife and I will be married this coming summer for 40 years. Yeah. I told her if she leaves, I'm going with her. Um, when we got married... I don't know about y'all, but we were stupid. I will say that I agree with all of his stuff on like the the baby step system. Like I I agree with all of it. Barring anything catastrophic, I believe if you followed those baby steps, you would be doing okay financially even if you made not that much money. We had no sense. Um, we didn't have anything like pre-marriage counseling. We just got hitched. We just got married. And nobody told us to watch out for this or that. And they were just happy to get rid of me and whatever. And, and her dad was scared I was showing up and we just got married. So I was a, I, I was a beer drinking, hell raising hillbilly. And um, we've been married about two weeks. We moved to Nashville and got our first little apartment. And my wife wakes up on Sunday morning and remembers that she's a Baptist. So the way he makes it sound was the entire time before they were married, he did not know that she even had a desire to attend church. So I would love to know how they were living and what kind of Christianity she believed anyway that she was ready to marry a beer-drinking, hell-raising hillbilly at the time. It's interesting. This is something she hadn't mentioned before. We've been dating for a while. We hadn't talked about this Jesus stuff. We certainly hadn't talked about her being a Baptist. And she said, it's Sunday morning, we're going to church. And I said, no, we're not. You don't go to church on Sunday, you drink beer and watch football. What is wrong with you? It is based well, she's real serious about this. And of course, we're in Nashville, y'all. It's the buckle of the Bible belt, right? I mean, there's more Baptists there than people. 
And, and so we have a big fight and she's crying and she storms out the door. Well, it didn't take her. So I think this is important. I do not, as I have seen him demean and embarrass people that do not follow his plan exactly as he has laid it out. Elaine says, um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, he, he is pretty harsh on people that don't follow it, but that's, I, I'm not here to defend Dave Ramsey, but I would say that the reason he gets upset when they don't follow it is because he knows it works for everybody who follows it. And uh, he's kind of got a tough love thing, which I actually kind of appreciate too when he says, you're being stupid. You know, sometimes you are just being stupid. So like, <laughs> oh, there is a lot about Dave that I like, but his theology is not the thing that I like. Her long to find her tribe. And, and she starts attending this little Baptist church and these little Baptist people praying for her heathen husband. Good. Well, this goes on every Sunday for about six months, y'all. Be honest with you, it wasn't going well. They should have been praying for her because she just went out, married an, a pagan, essentially, and then decided that she was going to force him to become a Christian or something. Like, I, the story is wild. Every Sunday we have a big fight. She storms out crying, and I'm going, what did I sign up for? Nobody told me about this. And I got in one of these, um, I was 22 years old, and I got in one of these multi-level things. Hey, that's you know, the thing where you make all your friends mad. And, um, At like 22, and I made um, all my friends mad. One of my beer drinking buddies and me, and there's a lot Relatable. of beer in this story. But um, <laughs> we, we got in this thing, and we were so dumb, y'all. We would go to happy hour and then go make sales calls and couldn't figure out why we couldn't make a sale. <laughs> this is how dumb we were. And oh, Daryl and his other brother, Daryl. And so we, uh, we're going to get a yacht and we're going to be rich and we're going to do all this stuff. And, you know, we're living, we're 22 years old. We're going to live the dream and all this. And, and uh, we were doing pretty good, but we decided to go to one of their rah-rah rallies, one of their sessions down in Birmingham, Alabama, which is about two hours south of Nashville. So we got in the car and drove to the Alabama Theater in downtown Birmingham, which in my mind held 10,000 people. I did an event there a while back. It holds 800. But... Um, <laughs> You know how when you grow up, things shrink. But, um, oh, and so, you ever go back to your grade school, how it gets smaller? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And so, oh my gosh. So the... Uh, so people were laughing at that, but it, it almost, it's like they took it inappropriately, but I don't know if that's what he meant. I don't know, man. That like, see how there's just these little things. Anyway, he's a great storyteller, but keep in mind this is a Sunday church service. This is what they're listening to for their sermon. Okay. Uh. Uh. Anyway, we we're up in the top row of the very back balcony, me and him, and we're taking notes all day long. These speakers are up there charging us up of how we're going to get rich and all this stuff and get you a yacht. And there was one guy at the end of the day who was the dog. He was the one making like $400,000 a minute or whatever, you know, and we wanted to be like him. And so we're kind of waiting for the, you know, the, the, the apex of the day, the crescendo of the day, right? And so finally this guy gets up there. And we had written down five or six questions that thought, if we could get the answer to these questions, we'd have a breakthrough. Our little business would go, boom, we'd go, you know? 
And, and so he gets up there, and it's as if this guy had our questions as his outline. And, not, and we already wanted to be him. But by the time he finished reading our mail for an hour, and we got all of our questions answered, if he had told us to eat a bag of dirt, we would have. He owned us. Y'all know what I'm saying. And he was a good speaker, too. And he gets to the end, he goes, and there's one more thing. And we're like, no, there isn't. We got our five. He goes, if you don't know this man named Jesus, you're going to struggle in business. Because business people who are takers struggle. Business people who add value and are givers always win. Okay, so is that true? You are going to struggle in business unless you're a follower of Christ? That is, you can literally just go out and look and see non-Christians being successful in business. So this is not true. Um, this is where you start to see some theology come out that he, cause he, this, this attracts him. Um, this, this, this is what attracted him to Christianity is basically what he says. So he wanted, he got attracted to Jesus because this guy told him that it would help him in business. Yeah. Good, good, good call. A great example is Bill Gates is a godless heathen. Um, I take it he never read any Psalms. Yeah, like Psalm 73, one of my favorites. That's probably been looked at eight times on this podcast. Um, the evil prosper in this life. That is clear right anyway let's let's keep going so there's some theology right there he was attracted to jesus or he was told he should follow jesus because it would help him financially and they cheer for this the band is done now and, and he said jesus <laughs> he said jesus will teach you how to do relationships and if you're gonna be in business you have to learn how to do relationships and i'm looking at my buddy and we're going i have no idea what he's talking about and I asked my buddy, I said, you think he's been talking to my wife? <laughs> and so we go back to the little... Jesus will teach you how to do relationships. I mean, sometimes. But sometimes he calls a woman, refers, alludes to the fact that a woman is a dog and that she can eat scraps, you know? Mm. So is Jesus just going around relationship building the whole time in the Gospels? I think not. Holiday Inn or whatever it was, and in the nightstand we find a Bible, and it's a Gideon's Bible. So him and his buddy went to a Holiday Inn and Gideon's Bible, and it's a King James Version, he's going to say. Right, uh, old King James. Yeah, Shakespeare and Jesus. So they kind of chuckle at that a little bit. Um Honestly, it just shows you how um, not knowledgeable of Bibles he is that he says that 
the KJV is is like Shakespeare. Um, if you read William Shakespeare, you very, very often are confused and there is tons of hidden meeting and it's it's hard to understand if uh if you're just reading all the poetry that's in it um the king james version of the bible is not like that i it's honestly it's just a personal irritation of mine when people say it's basically like shakespeare um and uh, anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm not this staunch defender of the King James version, but the King James version is still really clear in most places for you to read. It's, it's completely readable. Um, in, in most places, it, in most, in most instances, it doesn't take any work to understand it. It's not like Shakespeare at all. That's just my own personal irritation. <laughs> The chances of these two rednecks figuring this out is zero. Well, we closed it, blind leading the blind, but we went home, I told my wife, I said, we're going to church, and she said, who are you and what have you done with my husband? And so we went to some of the churches around, and some of these folk, um, they're not having fun. Um, the place looks like it was weaned on a pickle. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's just, just awful. And so... Obviously, there are churches where people aren't having any fun. But the basis that, you know, he wanted to find a church that looked fun is showing that he didn't understand what church is for. Now, I have a great time at my church, but, um, and we're much more casual looking than a lot of, say, like Baptist churches. Um, but, yeah, you know, just attacking the stuffy religious people is is not a good look. Maybe they are having fun, but maybe maybe what you are seeing, and I don't know this, is a reverence for the holiness of God, a somberness, because you're in a church service where you're supposed to worship the holy and living God. Who created you and redeemed you that could be what was going on there i don't know there are those churches where they're just full of crusty legalistic people that that is true so it, that could be what he's talking about i don't i have no idea and um but we went in the back of this little church about three four hundred people it ended up growing to eight thousand people later um and these we, you know how you do when you're visiting a church you sit on the back row in case it gets I want to make sure that like I'm sure he wasn't even trying to insult the King James version I think he's just trying to be funny right it's just I don't know it's one of those flippant things that I'm not really a big fan of and I'm 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 a staunch critic of people that are King James only so I am not here to defend the King James version by any means but if you want to read it, it's it's perfectly fine. So anyway, he's sitting at the back of church so that he can make an exit strategy because it's weird. It's weird. You can hit eject, right? Um, I find it ironic that he's sitting at the back of a church back then 
that's weird. He's worried it could be weird so he can eject and no one will notice. Now he is preaching at the front of a heretical church, right? So let's think about that. And we are going to say preaching because he is in the office of the preacher right now. There is no pulpit, but he is standing behind his invisible pulpit. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so we were on the back row, and this is a long time ago, y'all. I mean, it's almost 35 years ago. And, and back then, people didn't raise their hands except in weird churches, you know? And well, we're in there, true. and this woman in the choir pops her hand up like she knows the answer to some question. And then another one, and then they start doing this. I told Sharon, I said, if they get snakes out, I'm out of here. See, that's hilarious. That's a reference to like the Appalachian snake handling churches that uh, rely on the end of Mark. Um, uh, the long ending of Mark where it says that you'll, ha you'll handle snakes and won't be poisoned and stuff. Uh, so that's a funny reference. And that pastor was a man's man. I thought Christians were wusses and he, uh, he was a man and he stood up. He would say stuff like, and this is what the Bible says. And if you don't agree with that, you're what's known as wrong. So it's funny because that's one of his quotes. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong. Or if, yeah, so, um, the, I mean, uh, this man apparently affected him. I like this guy. And this was old school church. As I said, there's only about 300 folk in that church when we started there. And they'd stand at the back door. He made sure to gr gr uh, say that it did grow to 8,000 if we missed that earlier. Make sure that you bring up the numbers. Always the numbers are important. And you'd go out in a line and the pastor would shake everybody's hand. And his, his wife was a big squishy woman. She'd give you a big grandma hug, you know. And uh, that woman's grace flowed off of her when she hugged you and looked at you and she said, I love you, made you believe she really did love you because she did. And his strength and grace and mercy led me to the Lord, and I got baptized and met God there. It changed my whole life. So that man's strength and mercy and grace led him to the Lord. And then um, he was baptized there, and it changed his life. I don't, know, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, obviously he's being brief, but... It doesn't it doesn't sound like there's a lot of gospel there, right? I do everything backwards. Um, we were I left that little multi-level thing real quickly in the middle. Of that I was just in there for about twenty minutes. It feel like, and I started buying and selling real estate, and I got rich. Um, at least by a kid from Antioch standards, I started with nothing. And by the time I was 26, I had a little over $4 million worth of real estate, a little over a million dollar net worth. And I was making $250,000 a year, $20,000 a month in 1982. I don't know where you come from, but we call that rich where I grew up. I would call that rich even right now, personally. So you'll see, I just want to take a look at this table. He's got an umbrella or something and... Looks like a copy of Total Money Makeover and probably no Bible. And um, I got to tell y'all, it was fun. It was really fun. So being rich is fun. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this right now. I mean, 
Sharon, we, she got, likes those little sparkly things, so we got her some, and they weren't big enough, and so we got her some more. And y'all, we went to Hawaii, rednecks in Hawaii. So I just, is this, this is after he became a believer? Where he's living this opulent, wild lifestyle. Um, he's married and everything, but, you know, just buying bigger and bigger diamonds and stuff. Because he's got all this crazy disposable income. Let's just do like another minute or two. Oh, my. We, it was so nice. You know, we went back. And I had that car I always wanted. You had that car you always wanted, like someday right? So I got me a Jaguar, man. Cause nobody in my old neighborhood could spell Jaguar, much less had one. Right. So I got me a Jaguar. I'd love to know his, like where his he actually comes from and what his background is because he paints this picture that he's just like a dirty, like redneck who is from an illiterate town. And, um, honestly, he's like kind of in, like, Making fun of yourself is one thing, but then he starts m insulting the literacy of other people from where he grew up. I mean, eh. I don't know, Dave. I don't know, man. It doesn't seem like that's good. Anyway, one thing you'll notice is we're 15 minutes into this video, and we have not needed this yet at all. Oh, man, about 90 days, I was a Jaguar, right? Like, you know, it's like, right? I mean, it's like, oh, man. Um, I want preacher, sneak, preacher sneakers to get a shot of those shoes and tell us how much they are. But they kind of just look like basic shoes. Dave seems like the kind of guy who actually doesn't dress in insanely expensive stuff, but I could be wrong. It is just very basic looking. He looks good. I He dresses like a cool old guy. Uh, I like how he looks. I'm just wondering if it's expensive. That's all. We were having fun, y'all. Now, I am not shallow enough or theologically deprived enough to think that money is going to make you happy. As a matter of fact, I'm positive it won't. Hold on a second. I got to go back here. We're at 1530. Let's go back to 1520. I want to hear this. Again. Theologically deprived enough nope. to think that in about 90 days I was a Jaguar, right? Sorry, I had to go back. You know, it's like, right? I mean, it's like, hey, there oh, is a man. Get behind that pulpit. We were having fun, y'all. Now, I am not shallow enough or theologically deprived enough to think that we have our first religious word theologically we heard it money is going to make you happy okay that's good money won't make you happy okay good let's see where he's going as a matter of fact i'm positive it won't good stuff good after teaching god's ways of handling money for 30 plus years now i do know that money will make you more of what you already are okay Okay, we'll keep going. If you are depressed and you get money, it's not going to go well hmm. if you don't deal with the depression. If you got a drug problem and you get money, you, you got a drug problem. <laughs> I mean, if you got a temper and you get money, whoo, 
tyrant on parade. You got a big, gentle, compassionate heart, and you get money, you can change the world. And Boston, Massachusetts, ElevationNights.com. Some of y'all ought to get a ticket and be a group. Drug problem. So we're going to end at uh, the 16-minute mark. I mean, if you got a temper and you get money, whoo, tyrant, and you get money, you can change the world. There we go. We're back where we're at. So if you have a big, compassionate heart and you get money, you'll change the world. I mean, I don't know if that's inherently true, but it, it, it probably is something you could see at least as uh, – anecdotal that he's probably right about that but he's going to get to these five proven biblical money principles and um and uh we'll i hopefully we'll get to them soon but uh i'm gonna end this episode right now guys um we're an hour or sorry we're 16 minutes in and um i'll just start at the 16 minute mark and uh keep going from there next time and so guys we're gonna work through this message together um let me know if if you like when i do this stuff or if you want me to go more politics more this i don't know you know i'm always up for criticism Uh, we could comment on the fact that i um and ah a lot like justin trudeau you know but uh until next time guys which there could be a bonus episode. Look out. I'm thinking Saturday night might be the night that I finish this sermon. We'll see. Anyway, guys, have a great night. I will see you next time.